0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 220, and the quote of the day is from Malcolm S. Forbes, who said, you can easily judge the character of a man by how he treats those who can do nothing for him. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 220. And if you're listening on iTunes, only the most recent 50 are on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or anything like that. The rest of them are at drummersresource.com, all 220 of them. They're all free and you can just go there. Go to drummersresource.com. Why are there, you can sign up for the mailing list and get a copy of my ebook stick control variations for free. Also, I have an email series, a five-part email series about how to get bigger and better gigs. And this is for if anyone if you're looking for trying to get touring work or you're just trying to get more gigs in your local town or whatever the case may be, whatever level of player you're at and whatever gigs you're whatever level gigs you're playing now. This series will help you. It's a five-part email series. It's 100% free. Just go to drummersresource.com Forward slash gigs. And you'll get a new email every single day for five days. And it talks about the whole entire process of how I grew uh, my my touring career and how I got to play with, with the idols of mine that I've wanted to play with for years. So check that out. DrummersResource.com forward slash gigs. Now let's get into the interview today. Today I have Todd Zuckerman, and I've been wanting to get Todd on for a while. Sort of went back and forth trying to trying to line it up. Finally got him on here. Most notably, you probably know him from playing in the band Sticks, but he, he has had an illustrious career. He's been doing this for a very long time, has a ton of great insights, not only about the playing side of things, but also the business side of things. He has some great stories and uh, is currently on the road with Sticks, so he's doing this this interview from his hotel room. So very fortunate to have him do this while he's He's on the road because a lot of guys can't find the time to do it on the road. So I appreciate him doing this. So let's get into it with Todd Susherman. Todd, how are you? Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Nick, thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. I'm sorry to, uh, that we couldn't, we couldn't make it happen on your cell phone. So now you're, you're, you're on this filthy uh, hotel phone. And that is, <laughs> that is a testament I'm, to your dedication to the drumming world.
1: I'm shackled to this sticky beige gross like 1985 uh uh hotel phone. But it's okay. This is uh this is what I suffer for our, our collective art.
0: And how who uses those <laughs> phones? Does anybody use those phones anymore?
1: Um yeah, my tour manager he, he'll he'll call on these phones. It's the only time he he makes me touch them. Really? <laughs> And then you call the front
0: desk and you get a wake up call. That's about, that's about the only thing I ever use those things for.
1: Yeah. Or sometimes it's, um, hi, is, is there a room service menu in here? Cause I can't find it. anywhere. oh yeah, it should be in the drawer. No, it's not in the drawer. Like, oh, we'll send someone up like tick, tock, tick, tock, tick. Like, you know, 90 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so hard being a musician on the road. Yeah. And then the lobster bisque, you know, the lobster bisque comes and it's cold, you know. The, I'm kidding. It's it's rough, man. It
0: is <laughs> it is really rough. So, I want to I want to get into I know that you're on the road right now and I want to I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the tour and I want to talk about um sort of getting the gig and all of that sort of stuff. Let's let's build a little bit of context for the listeners for the for the people who don't know who you are. For those of you who don't know who he is, shame on you. But for those of you who don't, uh, just a little bit of backstory of sort of where you come from, how you got into playing, and uh, and I know that there's there's sort of a what was there a record or a riff or that or something that changed your life in your in in your pursuit to playing. So I want to dig into that a little bit as well.
1: Well, I mean, it, it it you know it sounds sort of trite to to say this, but I mean it's. This is all I've ever wanted to do from my earliest memories. I mean, I, I, my father was a drummer, my mother was an actress, and a singer, and she played piano. My father also played piano, and I was the youngest of a musical family. So it, it was really, you know, to be born into that and to have the instant support and the instant love of music and the arts already built in, was just about the greatest hand, you know, to be dealt in life. Mm-hmm. Um And and I'm I'm so fortunate and and thankful for that because I I never had a moment where I decided, I think I want to do this. It was from the very get go. I was in love with the drums. Uh, I was in love with music. Um, You know, my 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 father's last drum set was my first, you know, nice. well, that's actually not true. They kind of gave me the, you know, the old story of, I got the garbage Sears kit and that was destroyed in a minute. And then I had sort of a little, you know, like 14 inch bass drum kind of somewhat professional kit. And then, mm-hmm. you know, my father's a set up over there. No, 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 that's what I want. I want to play that one. <laughs> um, so it, That that's always been in me. I never wanted to be a fireman or an astronaut or a football player or whatever. It's it. it, it, I always knew I was going to do this.
0: Mm -hmm. Excuse me. So, but your father was, he was a professional drummer, but that wasn't, he was a doctor
1: too, right? Ah, yeah, exactly. Well, he, he had, uh, he had put himself through med school during world war Mm two, um, playing drums and he'd, he'd been playing professionally since he was 13 and i mean my my father was 50 when i was born in 1969 so like okay. he was playing in the 30s 40s 50s you know and um he he was the house he was one of the house drummers at the chaperie nightclub in in chicago which was like that was the yeah. showroom where all the acts played um so he you know he kind of lived a, a a double life uh, having a successful practice um in the day and then he was gigging at night and you know he he did some touring he got offers to go on the road all the time but he he never really could um for any length of time because he you know had a practice
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah i i i i wish you know now that i'm older i i wish that you know he were still alive there's a bunch of questions i'd i'd love to ask him like how did he do that yeah
0: <laughs> yeah that you know and because I think that there's there was a lot of people who were doing that who were like full time professional musicians and doing doing this Well, I guess there's still people do, that do that today, but it, it seemed like it was performing at a higher level then and still going to a day job, you know. Yes. Uh, and the reason why I brought all that up was there is my family owns restaurants and I bartended there and there was an older gentleman that used to come in and he he was a musician and he was, his father was a musician. And his, fa- but his father always had a day gig as well and convinced his son, he said, as a musician, you should always have a day gig because, you know, the money's not good or whatever the case may be. You, you don't want to pursue it full time. So I wanted to know if that was sort of the same, the same message that you were getting from your father, because I'm thinking that, that this guy's father and, you know, the, it's an older generation. So I wanted to know sort of what the, uh, what the story was with that.
1: Yeah, I was never, I was never, you know, pointed or pushed in any direction other than music and not for that reason, because you know what I mean? Like by, by the time I came ar- around, you know, people could make rock money, you know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it, it, was, mm-hmm. it was pretty hard for a trombone player in, uh, 1950, um, you know, to, to put three kids through college doing that, you know, right. maybe, I don't know, but pro- it's, you know, certainly an uphill battle, I would imagine. Um, so the, the I mean the only scholastic things that they they sort of pushed was you just make sure that you know enough math that you know no one's cheating you out of <laughs> out of money, <laughs> uh, you know you have to be smart enough to to you know balance your your uh, your checking account and, and and whatnot but but no one no one had ever uh, sort of pushed me towards uh, any anything scholastic or the notion of doing something else. Now, had I, had I, I showed a, a propensity or, or an interest in something else, I'm, I'm sure that that would have been, um, uh, you know, they, they would have encouraged that because I mean, that's, I, I think about that with my two-year-old daughter, whatever she wants to do, that's what I will encourage her to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was very fortunate in that regard and to have that sort of support and to, you know, I, I would come home and, you know, we, we didn't have a, a you know a very big house and when i practiced i mean the house heard it and um it was really nice to they they never get, ever came down you know like, could, could you just stop yeah that 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 was something i don't remember ever happening
0: yeah you know thinking about i don't think that i don't think that i ever had that. i mean god bless my parents for for putting up with that cuz that is not a not a not a good thing especially when you're not good
1: <laughs> you know or you're playing the same thing over and over <laughs> right. again. I, but the one thing I do remember is when I got my first China symbol, and you know, I got an 18-inch swish, which I wanted so desperately. Um, I think I was in seventh grade. Uh, that was the that was the first time my mother had, had made some sort of comment, like, I don't like that sound. Right.
0: <laughs> what do you mean you don't like this sound?
1: <laughs> that's the coolest. You know, just bashing quarter notes <laughs> on the China. This is awesome. Nah, mom, that's, that was the sound that mom didn't like.
0: <laughs> I sort of a side story I, I went and helped uh, a simple company set up at PASIC years ago and they said I'd won a scholarship and long story short but they said oh you can take a simple home with you and I said okay so I took a I was I grabbed a little like six inch splash because I, I didn't want to be what they call a skustamod. so uh, so my uh, the guy that's there is like what are you doing you're A college kid, you can have any symbol you want. You're going to take this six inch splash. So I ended up leaving with a 22 inch China.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, you know, you you go for like the most expensive, beautiful ride symbol or something like that. It's it's always an accoutrement. It's it's always a sound effect thing.
0: That I never use now. I haven't used it in years, but but
1: (laughs) I got it. That's so funny. But, yeah, well, you know, you were trying to be a nice guy. You're like, ah, oh, this, this six-inch yeah, don't is Yeah, I want
0: to, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy and say, oh, I'll give me the biggest
1: thing, but, you know. Well, see, okay, that, that kind of reminds me of, like, i you know, this is sort of, <laughs> you know, like my dad telling me a story about, you know, in the old days where the, you know, it'd be, you know, 16-piece band. And then finally, you know, the, the the party will say, hey, if you guys want to grab something to eat at the buffet, um, mm-hmm. you know. And so my dad's over there, you know, grabbing, you know, shrimp and crab claws and, you know, he'll look over at, you know, one of the other guys in the band that's, you know, has got a baked potato on, on a plate and my dad would be like, schmuck, you can have a baked potato at home. Well, look at this. <laughs> you know, he was a smoked salmon, you know, come on. Right. <laughs> get the, get the good stuff. Come on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what did you, now, did you grow up playing big band and, and all that stuff or what, what was your, what were sort of some of your earlier
1: influences? Well, I mean, the, the nice thing, again, about having, you know, sort of multi-generational parents and older brothers is that there was so, you know, many different kinds of music that were, were played. So I, you know, the, the two records that I played over and over again when I was literally, you know, like a toddler, you know, with my little Mickey Mouse record player, you know, two years old, was uh, uh, Basie Plays Hefty. Uh, with mm-hmm. Sonny Payne on drums and uh and then Chicago too, with Danny surf on drums Nice. Uh, and and Danny was you know uh, other than my father and buddy Rich, who you know I would see on on television you know it would, Danny was you know one of my first real drum heroes mm-hmm. so you Some know monster th- player, man the you know the 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 whole thing with horns you know obviously it came from my father and and you know my father, who was not the biggest rock fan, could dig Chicago and could dig that there was stuff going on there and that Danny was obviously a great player and could swing. Um, you know. And I that, think
0: that just to interject, and I think that there's some misconception about Chicago sort of new Chicago and old Chicago, you know, like when they were like this big, like funky band, you know, that, that really swung before they sort of went into more of like, you know, the
1: pop stuff and, and all of that. It, well, it's the same thing. It's also with, like, uh, you know, when, when people talk about Phil Collins and, like, hey, don't l- listen to, like, this, the latter day solo ballet. Like, check out what he played drums. Check out Trick of the Tail and Wind and Mothering. Yeah. Like, check that out. You know, all the way, you know, to, to me, all the way to Abacab. But um, it's, yeah, people have their the preconceived notions. You know, the pre David Foster Chicago. Um, you know, to me, like that, that was this. You know, the Terry Kath era, uh, when he played guitar in the band before his, uh, um, you know, unfortunate passing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know, li- listen to Chicago too. That that record is just to me that that was. You know, that that's that's in my DNA. Yeah, it's a great. So I mean, you know, I mean, as, as far as far as influences, you know, that that was you know, a great way to start. But, you know, my my brothers were five and seven years older than me. So there could be, you know, Rick James or Kiss or Led Zeppelin or Aerosmith or Miles Davis or Mozart, you know, anything could be coming out of someone's room at any given time. And it was just music there to, to me, and especially as a kid, there wasn't this whole compartmentalized uh, bits of, you know, of, of genre or style or, um, you know, how, how would we market this uh, ty- <laughs> type of looking at it? Mm-hmm. It was just, there were different kinds of music, just like there was different kinds of food, Right. but it's food yep. and it's music. Mm-hmm.
0: What's it? There's, there's two kinds of music, good music and bad music. That's right. <laughs> so, you so you come up you're listening listening to all of these uh, all of these different artists and what was what was your learning style was it more was it educa- not education based but was it more uh by the book or was it playing with records was it a combination of the two
1: uh, yeah I would say it was a combination of 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 everything um, because my my older brothers played piano and bass respectively I filled out the rhythm section. So by the time I was like, I'd say four and a half, definitely by five, um, we, you know, would sort of gather in the living room with our three instruments and, you know, under the guidance of our father, you know, learn how to play, uh, you know, I want to hold your hand by the Beatles or like a, a, a rumba standard Spanish eyes, uh, you know, and, and go through the the slow process of learning how to play um, you know uh, to play together play uh, learn our parts uh, and, and those were sort of the first embryonic baby steps um, to to playing as a trio and as my brothers came of age and were in junior high school uh, you know fortunately the you know the junior high school and later on in high school, but but there was a really good arts program with, you know, great music teachers, and by the time I was in first grade, I was sort of yanked into the junior high school uh, jazz band and then uh, the the concert symphonic band. So I actually have the, the dubious honor of spending eight years in the uh, Lincolnwood School District 74 <laughs> junior high school band. Uh, a record i, I believe is un, unbroken nice um unless someone you know failed eighth grade five times and <laughs> stayed in but that, i mean that was a huge part of of my education at such a young tender age to to ha- to be in 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 third grade and having to read charts with seventh and eighth graders
0: mm-hmm yeah the it's interesting that uh, I just totally lost my train of thought, and we're gonna leave that in there, so um, so everyone knows that how my brain, how my brain just sort of stopped. Uh, well, the the one question I was, I think I was thinking ahead of uh of sort of a segue because I wanted to, I wanted to talk about whenever whenever you look at someone's bio, you always see they became an independent or in demand session player or live player, and then they landed this gig. And to me, there's always there's a lot of gray area in between that. And I like to walk down that road a little bit because a lot of people that listen to this are maybe just starting out on their journey or they're at a certain level. They're trying to get to the next level. Um, And and I feel like a lot of the time that's something that gets skipped over is sort of that intermediate area of starting and being successful. Um, So what was what was the road like for you and also you know, of becoming an independent an in demand player. For some reason, I can't say that today. And uh, and what advice do you have for people who are trying to do the
1: same? Uh, you know, uh, for for me, I, I just wanted to be a working musician, and I wanted to play with really good musicians. Um, and I I tried to do that as as much as I could. I I studied as hard as I could. I practiced as, as much as I could. And at, at a certain point, um, you know, there has, there has to be talent. There has to be luck. There has to be putting yourself in the pathway of opportunity. Um, You know, all these things have to come into play to, you know, help your chances, um, you know, to, 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 to get you where, where you want to be. And there's certain things that I, I talk about at, at drum clinics, and we'll always talk about because they, they're true, uh, they were true for me, they remain to be true. Now, obviously, everyone's journey is uniquely their own. But there are certain things that I saw that, you know, certain ways to conduct my business that would enhance my chances to, to move up the ladder. Mm-hmm. whether it's the local stage or the local area or national. Um, those notions would be, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll go into detail for all these notions because these, this is really the best thing that I could ever impart to someone. I could show someone how to orchestrate paradiddle diddles around the drum set, but that, you know what I mean? That's just that. Right. But if you really want to do this um, for one, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, um, in Chicago at the time, if, if someone asked me to do their gig, you know, I would get a call like, hey, man, are you available, you know, if you do this gig on Friday? Yes. Uh, you know, back then it'd be a cassette tape, but here, here's a cassette tape. These these are the, the 25 songs, you know, and then maybe here's some charts. I would learn them. I would absolutely learn them i would spend every waking hour listening to them while i'm brushing my teeth in the car you know e- even before i sat down with with the drums so okay so we're having a rehearsal on thursday for the friday gig what time's the rehearsal noon are we starting at noon or are we loading in at noon we're starting at noon so that means i'm there at like 11 right down loading is at noon. In. exactly uh and most of the time, I would be there, set up with a cup of coffee in my hand, before the guys would show up. Like, hey, how you doing? I'm Todd. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, you need a hand with that amp? Help them load in their gear. Hey, maybe they'll return the favor on the way out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would be able to count off the songs in the, the proper tempos, you know, without the help of any devices, because there were none back then. Um, and I'd, I'd you'd nail the music. That's the next thing. Nail the music. Do the job. And I found in Chicago it, it was like a shock. Everyone would look at me and go like, "Wow, yeah, man, you you really learned this stuff." <laughs> yeah, that's well, what it, I'm here for. Isn't that why you called me? Right. You know, to be prepared because it seemed like there's this jive ass musician, Nam show. Like, hey, I'm so busy. Like, yeah, man, I didn't really get a chance to to like, what key is this in or what what's the what, what's the what's the groove? Like, it's some sort of badge of honor to be busy and not really come in prepared. And I tell you, man, I mean, it didn't take long to like eat a lot of dudes lunches in town because that was like a thing that people did.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, so, okay. So you show up early, you're prepared, you have the right tools for the job, like your gear, your choices, you know, professional drums sound great. Uh, you know the right. You know you're not going to show up with a, a John Bonham bass drum for a jazz gig or you know an 18 inch bass drum for a, you know a huge rock gig. Uh, and ultimately leave everybody happy that you were there. Mm-hmm. You know it, most musicians don't put all those notions together. And, right. You know if 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 you're young and you're hearing this, do that. Put all those things together and 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 see how it goes. Obviously you got to nail the gig, but you know no one wants to hear about how far you had you know, to park or any sort of you know drama or don't bring any weird juju nonsense in in uh, on the bandstand in the, in the rehearsal room or at the gig
0: yeah and if you you know it doesn't matter how i always say it doesn't matter how good you are if you get in there and you're 15 minutes late and you're a jerk probably not going to be getting as many calls you know? yeah
1: and and I, you know and and like for for session stuff like some sometimes there's a lot of waiting around and when you're going over the material nowadays it's very easy to for someone to be looking at their phone or have their laptop open you, you can't act like a recording session um or a rehearsal or whatever it is is getting in the way of the other stuff you have to do in life you know or so it's right. getting in the way of your your, your social life you have to be ready and on call like a football player going into a huddle, getting ready to take order, uh, orders or or, uh, directions, instructions. Okay, we're going to do another take. Don't make guys have to hunt you down out in the parking lot uh, or in the break room and you're on your phone or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You have to really be present and make the people that are hiring you know that you're that you respect the job that you're supposed to do.
0: And they're paying it, you for that time. So absolutely. if they're like just sit on the couch for three hours and
1: don't say anything, that's what you do. And I've I've seen guys where it's kind of like what's the vibe with this guy? Like he doesn't seem like he's he's only half here. Mm-hmm. Um, and wait, where where is it? We're ready to go. Where is he? Where's where's that guy? And you know, I look at that and I think man, if I were paying for this time. Every second that goes by, if I were paying for these guys, I wouldn't hire that guy again because he really wasn't wasn't here. He wasn't yeah. here for the job. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are some of my, you know, little, you know, pocket philosopher, you know, t- tools for for success because really if you if you put all those notions together, good things are going to happen and you, you, once you do that, let's say that, that scenario where I, I go in a practice room and I, I nailed the stuff and I was early and left everybody happy that I was there. Now I've just met, you know, three other guys and that keyboard player is going, hey, what are you doing Tuesday nights? Right. Nothing. Well, yep. I got this thing and my, you know, my normal guy's going on the road for six months. Like, do you, do you want to, are you, do you want to, yes, I'd love to. And then you conduct your business the same way. Now you do that enough times and enough times and enough times and enough times. You're going to end up in a, in a room with someone that is really going to be able to help you. Mm-hmm. It's
0: the, you know, the the going over, not even, and I don't even want to say like above and beyond, but just doing the right thing. And like you said, like getting there on time, being nice, knowing the material. Uh, I think, I, I agree with you. It sets, it sets you apart right from the beginning. And then if you're playing is really, really good, then that's another step up. You know, nobody wants to work with, Nobody wants to work with the jerk, you know, or the guy that that's too cool for school. And I agree with you with the with sort of that attitude of like it's hip to not know the material or it's hip to like, you know, not be that into it, which I yeah. don't know where that I don't know where I, I, I don't know if it was that way years ago or not. But it just seems like, you know, that, like you said, they wear it as a
1: people wear it as a badge of honor, like,
0: oh, man, I didn't I didn't ha- I didn't get to it.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I I never understood that. It, it, it just was one of those things that that mystified me. Or it it just it's just so off putting. And you know, like my my personality is like not sort of a a kind of a boastful guy. And you know, I walk around a Nam show from the, the from the time I was ten years old to to now, and I just to see some of the the the, the jive ass conversations and. It's just, oh God, I, I, I would, I would get my real estate license before it, if I thought anyone thought I was a jive ass like that. I would just, <laughs> I, I would be like a turtle putting my head back into the shell and I would just crawl away because <laughs> that, that just makes my skin crawl. And and there, and there's too many, there's too many jive asses in, in this business. And and it's, and it's part of the reason why I have absolutely no um, qualms or regrets out of, uh, moving out of Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do do you think that there is a, I always say this and I would love to get your opinion on it. I think there's a big difference between the music business and the drumming business or the music industry and the drumming industry. Uh, Meaning I think that there's, I think there's a lot more jiveness that happens in the drumming industry. Would you agree or disagree with
1: that? Boy, I think it might be equal parts jive. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, but you know, it, it's just it, it, you know, my my radar is, is sort of up for that, and it, the as soon as uh, you know, as soon as I I detect something, I'm I'm just sort of I'm just I'm walking the other way now. It it, it in, in my advanced years, right. Um, You know, I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't deal with it. And, you know, I mean, it's like, I moved to Austin, Texas with my wife, you know, 10 years ago and, and we got a little girl and like, that's, that's what it's about for me. Like this, Mm -hmm. this, this constant, like this constant hustle, 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 like, okay. Like, yeah, when, you know, this is a young man's game, you, you want to, you know, you get somewhere in the business, um, you know, get to a a certain place. Like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta hustle, you know, but, but I've really enjoyed the fact that I, I i don't have to hustle and i understand that that's that's a, a lofty position um, but i'm not going to do it right because you know uh, my schedule's full and uh and i'm always grateful and thankful for that mm-hmm. but i i'm 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 kind of too old to play the game it's kind of like i you know i would never want to be like the gross single guy like the like the 60 year old guy at the bar at the disco you know dancing with young girls like right. that's gross to me yeah um and you know at, at a certain point like i believe we only have one life and i'm going to enjoy it and i'm going to live the way i want to, and, and do the things that are important to me and if one day my schedule dries up well you know i'll find something else to do but this is what i've always done and uh, you know i'm not even going to worry about that I'm, right i'm um Am I getting a little
0: cosmic here? <laughs> no, because no, and I brought it up because I because I think once in a while I get flack for it too where I, I I sort of like I don't I just I don't enjoy that side of the the business either and I'm sure that the listeners, you know, maybe this may be a little off-putting, but like I'm I'm being honest here and my listeners know that I'm always honest that that there's if if it's one thing if you want to play in your basement and you want to have fun, that's fine. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm not saying that you you have to like take it very seriously and and all that. If you just want to have fun with it, that's cool. But I just don't. I agree with you that I'm not. I'm I'm just not a fan of that other side of it. Of like the, uh, like do you have you seen my, you know, my bass drum chops lately and all, I don't know it just that that to me is sort of like the wanky side of, of drumming that I guess I just well don't. I mean I mean
1: look I mean there there's always going to be you know there's always going to be that and any I mean, f- Facebook by nature is is digme.com like here's what I'm doing check it out you know mm-hmm. A- and you know, so I I'm always kind of light with that, but you know, it but there there is an audience. Like it it I have an audience. Um hopefully some of them are listening right now and not clicking off. Um but it it's you know, that that's part of what you got to do. Like no matter what gig, whether you're a fireman or a lawyer, or, I mean there's there's going to be like ugh, there there's going to be those things. Otherwise right. they wouldn't call it work. It it it's work, you know. Um but I mean, look, don't, you know, I hope no one is getting me wrong. I, I, I'm not complaining. I love my job. It's very easy. You know, like all I got to do is, you know, go, go downstairs to the lobby and I see someone in the corner, um, you know, mopping the floor and I'm like, well, that, that could be my job today, but I'm yep. on my way to go play for a couple thousand screaming, happy people. Uh, so believe me, I'm, I'm grateful and thankful, uh, uh, every day. Um, some luck was involved, but, but most of it was, I worked, you know, tirelessly for over 40 years to, to, to be here. Right. And there, there is no secret to success. There are things like I had mentioned before that you could do that will greatly enhance your chances, um, to do what you want to do. But you know,
0: there is no substitution for hard work.
1: No, there's, there, there, there are no shortcuts to become the player that you want to be and there are no shortcuts to you know be in in the position that you 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 want to be
0: there was i was listening to a another podcast actually and the guy was talking about hard work and he was saying if if you think you're going to be the first person in the history of of life to ever achieve something great Without putting in the hard work, no one's ever done it before, but if you think you're going to be that guy, then best of luck to you, and let me know how you make out in 10 years. Well, you know,: you
1: know everyone can't be an NBA player. Everyone you know, can't be astronauts, you know, mm-hmm. uh, But you can love doing this. You know what I mean? It's like, believe me, like it, it, there are a lot of musicians out there who are playing, you know, weddings or playing the, the, you know, a bar somewhere with their pals and having a great time. And meanwhile, there could be some sourpusses making big dough playing Madison Square Garden that are just furious because they couldn't get tickets for their their, their guests, and uh, you know whatever they're 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 grumpy and cantankerous about. You know, God knows what. Now, who's having a better time? Right. You know, the 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 the, the, the guy playing the, the the dive bar in Possum Ridge, Arkansas, with a smile on his face, or or the dude that's grumbling and and bitter in the dressing room at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's all sort of perspective. Now, you know. We play the drums and we play music inherently because we love this. It did something to us in our young years that had our interest and our love, and it touches us emotionally and challenges us us mentally and physically. And so we do this because we we love it. And just because you may never get to play, you know, the L.A. Forum or whatever, or get, you know, get, you know, big, big money for, for playing the drums, that doesn't mean... You should not do it or, you know, could, could love it any less. Think about how many people play golf. Like yeah, I would say probably way more than people play drums uh, on, on the whole and they all do it and they all spend a lot of money doing it, by the way, to, because they love it. They're never going to compete for the, you know, masters or green jacket or whatever, right. you know, right. No, but they, I, I'm with they you. do it because they they love it and they'll take, long trips and they'll go to ireland and scotland and you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because they they love it so it's that's sort of uh, you know a lot of farmers like they'll do it because they love it even if they never get out of their basement they're still getting something out of it
0: right i still think that if you want it i'm sort of of the school too of if you want it bad enough you can make it happen like if you want to do this professionally you can make it happen it's it's work it takes work and you know, nothing, nothing that, that you have or that I have or anybody else has comes easily, but like, uh, I think you can do it. I think if you, if you really want, I think a lot of people say that they want to do it, but they don't actually put the work in to do it.
1: I, I I would agree. And I, and I would say that's, that's, you know, the case for a lot of professions. Mm -hmm. Sure. Or, you know, it's it's kind of like half dreams, (laughs) half dreams. It'd be, uh, it'd be, it'd be nice to do that. It'd, It'd be nice to be a, big hollywood movie director. You know, yeah, but how do you how do you get there? There's a lot of work that mm-hmm. you know.
0: This session is brought to you by my good friends at DW Drums. Not only does DW support the podcast, but so does LP and Gretsch and Kat and all the other brands that are under DW. And they've been supporting the podcast for a very, very long time. Uh, it you know it've been a year and a half now, almost two years that they've been supporting the podcast. I'm extremely grateful that they do so. And I encourage you to check out all the DW products and not only check them out online, but also if you're ever in the Oxnard area go or in the LA area, go to Oxnard and check out DW. You can... Take a tour of the factory. You can see how they make their their DW drums there and also can meet some of the great people at DW because I consider them family. I think that they are amazing people and I think that they make amazing products as well. So I definitely encourage you to check all of them out. Also, I did an interview with the owner of DW, uh, Don Lombardi, a a while back, and you should check that out as well. It's a great story about how DW came about and also how the whole Gretsch LP, all of that whole uh, merger and all that happened. Really interesting stuff. You can learn more at DWDrums.com and you can check out all of their brands online, of course. Also, this is sponsored by Promark, and they just released two new sticks one, the Mike Portnoy stick, and the Rich Redmond stick. Both of these sticks have what's called active grip technology, and active grip technology actually heats up and gets tackier as your hands heat up, and they provide a non slick or non stick surface, I should say, on the stick. So you're you're not gonna sacrifice. You're not going to sacrifice any grip when your hands start to sweat. So they're made for, you know, a more of aggressive player. And the active grip technology is something that is really cool. It's a really crazy feeling, uh, not in a bad way, but just an interesting feeling when you play those sticks. So you should check them out. Promark.com, the Mike Portnoy stick, and also my buddy Rich Redman has his new signature stick with them. Now let's get back into it with the one and only Todd Suckerman. I want to talk about the tour, but first, let's—I I just briefly talk about how you ended up getting the six gig in—in in the first place, because I, in the beginning you were sort of uh,
1: filling in, right? Well, sort of. I mean, here's—here's here's kind of how this all went down. I mean. You know the result of sort of what I said before, like the result of 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 saying yes to you know just about every gig and playing tons of weddings, tons of parties, getting in some bigger, you know corporate bands, um, you know playing corporate parties and blah 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 blah, and then starting to work with musicians that were doing a lot of work in Chicago and some of these guys were doing uh, involved in the very elusive recording scene. Now, at, at that time, and in, in for years, Chicago was, you know, sort of a mecca for uh, jingles, you know, music for TV mm-hmm. and, and uh, radio commercials. And while it might not have always been the most artistically uh, rewarding work, like that was sort of, you know, the most lucrative work that, that you could get. That was the, the, the top rung of the ladder. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I you know, came back from my, my one year at Berkeley College of Music. And, you know, now I'm back home in Chicago. Now the rest of my life begins. What do I do? I start, uh, you know, calling all the musicians that I knew, blah, 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 blah. And in time, like I, I put together like a, what I considered was a really great demo tape. And I had recorded, you know, some of the, the the Dave Weckl contemporary drummer plus one, you know, like Mm -hmm. Island Magic and Spur of the Moment. And like, you know,
0: and for everybody listening, years ago, you had to put this thing together called a demo tape, and you had to—you didn't just put it online. And
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was a press packet. You had to—you yeah, yeah, had, to, yeah. had to pay money in a recording studio. You—you <laughs> you had to, you know, get tapes duplicated, printed up with your phone number or your pager number on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, pagers. Uh, I think I'm going to go back to a pager. That, that'd be that'd be great. you your old school vintage. Yeah. Uh, You know, yeah, and a little, you know, a little press packet. So I, you know, I I sent these out to, you know, like 25 music houses that that I knew that hired musicians, hired drummers, you know, made some follow-up calls. Nothing ever came of any of that stuff. Really? Nothing. Zero. And in time, I ended up doing um, a showcase with a guy that was like briefly signed to, Columbia Records at the Metro in Chicago, and there's a jingle guy, a jingle producer that saw me there, and then we had a couple of mutual friends. So he was the the, the first guy to call me for my very first jingle, where I, I walked in, and I met Bob Lizzik, the bass player, who was the workingest guy on any instrument in the city of Chicago. Um, And we became immediate friends, he was one of the sweetest guys that I've, I've ever known, still to this day. Um, and between him and a guy named Scott Bennett, they were the two guys that stuck their necks out for me, recommending me to other jingle producers when they couldn't get their normal guys. Mm-hmm. And the questions that they were always asked was, can he read? Is he in the union? Because that's the only way you can get paid to, mm-hmm. do, to do that work. Um, and is he reliable. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh,
1: you know, yes, yes, yes. So Mm. it, you know, it was my job to go in there, you know, sort of with my hat and hands knowing that they couldn't get Jim Hines or Mark Walker, um, you know, who were probably the two guys doing the most work at at that time. Um, and you know, I, I, I was sort of like the understudy. So, it it took a great deal of learning, you know, of, of the studio etiquette and knowing when to, to, to speak, knowing mm-hmm. when to keep silent. If I have a question about a chart or a figure, ask it before you, you just try it and just chow it in the middle of a take. <laughs> because if you can get that take done in one or two takes, they're thrilled because they cost them less money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and tapes to, are expensive. Oh, yeah, this was all, you know, this was, yeah, this was definitely two to two inch tape or someone's renting a studio or someone had invested enough money in their own studio, you know, to, you know, a lot of bills. So anyway, long story short, I'm sorry, I'm kind of dragging my feet here. in in time. Things progressed and snowballed and it got to the point where um, I was doing, you know, 20 to 30 sessions a month. And you know, making a really nice living and thinking, why the hell would I ever need to move to New York or Los Angeles? Though it might not be the most uh, rewarding thing to play on a Budweiser commercial, you know, the, the the dough is great. And then I have all day or all night to do other projects and be in five bands and be play with this Latin band and to play with you know a guy like Orbit Davis on, on on trumpet and play some jazz clubs and be in two rock bands, trying to get the big record deal type of thing, you know? Right. Uh, so it was a very exciting time. And because I was working that much, uh, I used the services of a guy named Keith Marks, who uh, had like the Cartage company in town. So mm-hmm. all the session musicians used him and he would, you know, he, he would come to my apartment, grab my drums Set them up just how I like them. I'd go and play the session, fill out the form to get paid. I leave. Keith would tear down the drums, bring them back to my place, and put them back in the stack just where they were. And he he great. did that. that was the best? It was absolutely the best. Uh, you know, and he did that for you know every you know session drummer, guitarist, you know your keyboard player, someone you know going kind to of be you know like a B3 and a Leslie. He was the guy so we had obviously built up a, you know friendship over the years and a and a working relationship and he had worked with the guys in sticks in the past and worked with a couple of guys on some some of their solo projects mm-hmm. and in uh yeah you know, by way of china here um in 1995 when i guess sticks was or a&m records was going to put out the definitive uh best of sticks their very first hit lady was actually on a different Record label, and there was something about like they—they guess they couldn't get the rights for that sound recording to be on A&M or whatever. So they had thought, well, let's get together and we'll re-record that song. Mm. And at that time, John Panazzo was sort of in ill health and wasn't really able to to play the drums. And they called Keith Marks and they said, who should we get? So it was really his recommendation where he, you know, afforded me the opportunity to go in and, uh, you know, ghost drum for John Panazzo on that particular track. Lady 95, it was called, which is the the first song on the Sticks, Beta, Sits record. Hmm. And I was so-
0: wondering about that, about why it was re-recorded.
1: But yeah, there was, there was some you know publishing, sound sure. licensing, you know different record label, you know the 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 fun part of the music business. Um, so that's 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 why why they did it. And It was the first time that they all got together, you know, uh, minus John, of course, in whatever thirteen years or whatever it was. Right. So you know, it was just a a session. I went in there. I was in and out of there like an hour. Great to meet you guys. I saw you guys in 1981 and 1983 and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, Hey, what a blast. And left, you know, never, never Never thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then see, that was in March of 95. And then in February of 96, I got another call, uh, from them saying that, um, they wanted me to play in another track. Uh, it's going to be sort of an, an original track and um, it's going to be on Sticks Greatest Hits Volume 2. So when I went down there this time, you know, I had to learn a piece of music from scratch. The original demo had sort of two drum parts overdubbed and I, 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 this just kind of came out of me. I didn't say it to be cocky or anything like that, but I was like, well, I can kind of do something like that in, in one pass. We don't have to we don't have to overdub it. And they all looked at me with, you know, and their eyebrows raised, and I was like, you know, kind of gulp. All right, like, well, I, I got to <laughs> prove that now. No, 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 I was just kidding. I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I went out there, it was a song called uh, Little Susie, and I, I played it, and it seemed that the more that I played, sort of the busier that I got. And at one point, I you know, I, I, I pulled out a, you know, four with the hands, two with the feet, and you know, mm-hmm. and they were all like high-fiving each other in there. So I was kind of, you know what I mean? Normally you know, the producer would be like, Yeah, hey, could you take it easy on that fill, or maybe just play, you know, your shotgun don't crash. Um but it, it it was it was very kind of exciting and and just the mood, not not that they were weren't nice uh, for the first session, but there was definitely a more of a hey asking me questions about where am I from and what you know is my story and kinda of getting to know you. And I kind of thought, hmm, some something's something's brewing here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm and it was you know in, in my memory at least it was a, a couple of days later that that uh, James Young had called me and said well we're we're going out and we're doing a four month tour this summer would you would you be interested in in doing it and you know i i had done little runs before but i'd never done like a, like a full scale you know rock tour like that right um and I said, well, yes. And oh, uh, you yeah. know, the ca- the ca- the caveat was like, look, you know, it's it's John's gig. If he gets better, you know, the 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 gig is his. Of course. Uh, and I, yeah, I was, you know, uh, but you know, of course. Um, and you know, ultimately, um, and sort of unexpectedly, uh, certainly to me, uh, John passed away in the middle of that that tour mm-hmm. in July of '96. So you know that was you know that was sort of heavy for for me because I was the only guy that wasn't one of the original guys. And well, I was going to
0: ask about that. How how hard is that? Is there sort of a a disconnection? Does it seem like they have you know all these inside jokes and stories and memories together, and and you're sort of an outsider? Well, I,
1: I imagine in in some ways it it's even though Kenny Jones knew the guys in the who there had to be a little bit of that same feeling when he replaced Keith moon, because uh, like Keith, John was a very big personality and he was a prankster and a jokester. And like, you know, everyone always said uh, you know, that he was the funniest guy they'd ever met. Um, And so it's, you know, I had to be respectful that there was this big personality. So I, I never tried to be a really big personality at, at that time. I tried to be sort of a good, stealth worker bee, um, and you know, play my absolute best every night. You know, play to the best of my abilities. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I mean, I remember the night it happened and we we had a night off in, in New York City and we were staying at some swanky hotel and I, I sort of made myself scarce. Uh, and I don't remember where I was or what I was doing that night, but I'm sure I was with a friend. And when I came back to the hotel, I, I checked out the hotel bar and sort of there they all were, you know, having cocktails, kind of telling John stories. And, you know, I, I remember stopping in my tracks going do I join them or do I just sort of buzz off? Yeah. Um, and I said, you know what, I'm going to grab a drink and I'm going to saddle up. I'm going to sit with them. And, you know, I think that was the best call because they told wonderful stories and would, would get a little, you know, uh, teary eyed or sort of laugh through the tears. And, and I think that helped me bond with them in sort of that, that sad hour, um, and 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 still, even even then, I I never ever ever thought that this job would would be here twenty years later. I mean, right. I, I really thought this was going to be a reunion tour. And when when that tour was over, and I hugged everybody goodbye, I, you know, I I, I gave it a fifty fifty chance that I'd never see any of those human beings again.
0: Right. Wow. So when and when so when you first joined, uh, I'm guessing. And if you don't want to get into this. That's fine. But um, that I'm guessing that you are a hired gun. And was there a transition to you being a member of the band as
1: as the years went by? Well, you know, I'm 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 still sort of a hired gun. Okay, <laughs> and I didn't know.
0: That's why I I didn't know how that worked. So
1: yeah, I mean, it, it's it's uh, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not an owner and and have no, you know, right to the license of of anything because you know the, the th- those guys sold, you know, whatever 35 million records before I came along. So mm-hmm. um you know, it's 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 their ball to take home. Sure. But uh you know, that that being said, you know, what a what a job to have um and and they're they're all such great guys uh and they play and sing it at, at, at such a high level um you know i'm i'm 20 years they're they're junior for the most part right and they you know they leave it on the stage whether we're playing a field in nebraska or you know uh, in a in an arena in los angeles it doesn't matter those guys never phone it in and you know a lot of times that that energy comes from the top down or the direction or the, like the, the tone of the organization comes from the top down. And because those guys care so much and they have so much fun that, that permeates all the way down to our crew. You know, everyone in our crew are not only top notch professionals, but just lo- lovely people. And they, they all want to be here. Mm. There's not one grumpy, like Ugh, this guy, like, <laughs> out, watch out for that guy. Cause everybody wants to be here. So that's, that's such a nice thing to be a part of. So that that permeates from, you know, here we are. And, and maybe it's the fifth show in a row. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe it's not a full house. Maybe I'm feeling like, you know what? I just would love to put my feet up and watch a movie. That's how I'm, I'm feeling. But I get out there and I sit behind an unbelievable drum, drum set that inspires me. And I'm, I'm playing with my guys. And mm-hmm. here, here we go. It's 100%. Every time, 100 shows a year. And another nice thing is that I always hear from the people at the venue, whether it's the catering ladies, the security people that are sitting in a chair looking at a blank wall for six hours. They're like, "You guys, your whole crew, you're the nicest people we've ever had." That's that's a compliment. And that makes me feel great and proud of 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 of, of everyone. Yeah um a quick quick little story my Polly would probably hate it if i told this story but you know my drum tech paulie's he's, he's he's from the bronx you know he lives in up, more upstate new york about an hour north of new york city but you know new york italian you know hilarious guy um we played an old theater in the east coast say a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and he was telling me which, you know, which man one? well i say i don't i don't want to i don't want to say that oh, okay, okay. In, in just in case you know, I wouldn't want anything to get back to anybody. Oh, okay, but we're, we're playing this place and apparently like the, the stagehands and the whole union thing, like these guys were like grumbling, just jerks. And Paulie goes, hey, listen, I'm from the neighborhood here. Don't you don't you guys embarrass me in front of my crew? We come in here all please and thank you. Happy, ready to do a job. And this is the attitude you're giving us. <laughs> Shame on you, and you're embarrassing me. I'm a neighborhood kid here, okay? And whip them right the fuck in shape. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Polly, nice." And after that, all this pretense of like we're East Coast badass, ass. We're like they whipped him into shape.
0: <laughs> we're in here, we're all pleasing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I get it. I get it.
1: It's like, it's like, we're the nicest, they're, they're our crew, they're the nicest people. It's like being mean to puppies if you're going to be mean to those guys. Right.
0: <laughs> it's
1: a, you know, it's the, we used to get
0: that a lot with my band. The guys would say like, oh, you know, you guys are very easy to work with or whatever. And I'm like, and we don't, we don't want to make your job easier or we don't want to make your job harder. We don't want, you know, we want everybody to enjoy themselves. And, and plus like we were not, I mean, there was guys that would come in and play with us and like they were. Like they wouldn't leave the dressing room and all that. I'm like, listen, man, we're playing at a 1500 seat club. Like we're not, this isn't Madison square garden. And you guys are like tomorrow you're going back to your, you know, your day gig. So don't be, don't be fooling yourself. (laughs) You know, it's like, yep. I feel like the guys, the people who are, are the most successful and, and could get away with being the biggest jerks are the nicest, most down to earth people. And it's typically the people who aren't, uh, you know, who are the, who are the most, who are the biggest assholes?
1: You know, that's, that's very often the case. I mean, there's some stories I could tell, but I, I wouldn't never want to call anybody out and certainly not publicly, but it, 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 that's, that can be the case. You could meet someone and they're, you're, you're, you're a little nervous and it takes some courage to go up to them. And then they're the nicest people. And you're like, wow, that's fantastic. Uh, or you could have, you know uh, the the opposite experience and in you know that that's something that's very very important to me is I remember who was cool to me and who wasn't, and those feelings stay forever mm-hmm. okay so um I'm lucky that I had a you know kind of two beautiful experiences with tony williams now i know that he's sort of famous for maybe not leaving some good memories to some people which would devastate me because i just worship and adore him so much Mm -hmm. but my you know i've got warm fuzzies with that guy and that will that will be the way i will feel till my last breath
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's sort of like whatever whatever memory you have with that's all that's all that matters
1: and now, conversely, I am, and again, I'm not going to publicly shithouse this guy, but there's 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 a drummer who, I think he died maybe two years ago or something like that. And my father and I went to see him when I was like 12 years old. And he was a jerk, wouldn't give did me the time of day. And I just wanted to ask him two questions. And it was just, it was so uncomfortable and yucky. I, I remember looking up at my dad and my dad put his hand on my shoulder and said let's go home yeah okay so now whenever I saw or heard that guy um I got I got those bad feelings you know (laughs) and when he died I remember reading in you know modern drummer or whatever it's like like oh he was such a he was like a father figure to me and like oh he was like he always took time with the kids and I'm thinking whoa holy shit I did not have the pleasure, yeah, he was a jerk to me, yeah, I mean, like that was like if I could think like who was like when you were coming up and you're a kid, who's like that guy <laughs>
0: right, right, and then you meet him. i you know, I talked to Jim Riley uh from Rascal Flats, and we were hanging at Nam, and he was like, man, you know, he's like, I just met one of my drumming idols, and he was a complete jerk, and I was like, are you kidding and and it's not like you know, I mean Jim has a good career, he's you know it's not like. Some guy that's like, hey, mister, can, you know, can I have your autograph? And he said that he, you know, I think they're, they're on, they had, they put out books under the same label and everything and went and talked to him. I think they're, they're on the same roster and everything. And he said he was just like a complete jerk. And he was like, man, that just deflated the balloon.
1: You know, that's a, that's a drag. I, I I never would want anyone to feel that way, and, and you know, and it's, it's quite possible there's, you know, I inadvertently had done something, and I'm sure there's, you know, at least one guy on the planet that that thinks I'm a dick. I think but. you've been quite rude this whole interview, person. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> well, well goodbye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, but it's it, you know, especially kids, man. If if there's if there's a kid, you know, like I will I will stop. You know, like hold the phone, like less. You know, I I will always at least give someone ten seconds of, and I will look you in the eye, I will shake your hand, you know, I'll ask you what your name is, mm-hmm. and even if it's for you know just a, a brief moment, I want to be like you. You have my attention, you know, like you know, hey, like hey, what's your name? And they'll be, I'm Bill. Hey, Bill, you know, thank you. Right. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. That's it. You, you don't have to stand and give someone thirty minutes, um, you know, or, or life story time. It just a, a, a moment. That's cool. That's real. I look you in the eye. What's your name? Boom. You know. Thank you. Know. Thanks for coming. And there you go. And then that 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 that, that person feels good. They feel like there there there's a moment. How hard is that? Right.
0: Right. It's not very. It's not hard to be to be a nice person. So, it actually takes more energy to be a dick because you really got to yeah. be creative with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you, man. I try to be, you know, without you know, obviously not going to let people walk all over you, but like, man, it's, it, it takes a lot more, what's it, it takes like twice as many muscles to frown than it does to smile. So like,
1: no, I mean, like, you know, it's a sub, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the topic, like, yes, I will not suffer fools gladly. Um, but you know, that that's, that's a whole different thing. I mean, there are, right. you know, the, the occasional pains in the asses. like, you know, you know, who kind of gets under my skin. It's like the professional, the autograph, Dudes, and they're always again. Sorry to bash the East Coast, but they're always on the East Coast.
0: Oh, to grab to take them and sell them.
1: Yeah, yeah. my my buddy's in a
0: in a fairly big band. He, you know, like that he founded. And he said he's the guys come up with like fifteen pictures. And they're like, "Can you sign these?" It's like, "No, I'm not going to do that."
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I remember a year or two ago landing at LaGuardia, and they hit you at baggage claim. You're you know, and I was there by myself. Like I'd beaten the tour manager there, you know, or the the someone was circling and get me. And they had you know a stack of like the same picture in a stack of uh, um, guitar pick guards. Yeah. And just like you know, come on, and they're making a big deal because I just I just I got off a plane. I've had you know two gin and tonics. I just you know want to get in the car and go go to the hotel. And I'm standing there, and when I'm like, guys, you know, no. And I'm, you know, and I'm not Sting or Madonna here, for goodness sakes. But they're like, hey, come on! They start making a scene, so people are like, whoa, who's this guy? Is this a famous guy? Right. And I'm like, guys, I, I know you guys are pros, and you're going to sell this stuff. I'm just trying to get my bags and, and go on my way. And they start in with, well, you make, you know, you, you you make a ton of money, and we're just trying to make, you know, make a living here? I'm like, you have no idea what my situation is right you know, how 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 dare you assume that i just I make a ton of money like you don't right. know know you, you don't know what anyone's situation is, and even if I do, why
0: does that mean that I have to sign autographs for you so that you can sell them on my work basically on my hard work yeah
1: well ag- again I mean. Look, I don't mean to be complaining because, boy, if that's as if that's as <laughs> big as my problems get, like, right. cool. You know, what I mean, there are people out there in the world with real problems, so I'm not, I'm not k- fetching. But I just, I think it's rude that people do that. Right. Um, you know, and, and then they, they sort of, you know, make you a captive audience and then make, make a scene in front of strangers like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's a cool way to walk the earth. And that wasn't a cool choice for those guys. Is right. I guess what I'm getting at.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I'm with you.
1: So if people
0: do want to connect with you and they want to interact with you and they want to either follow you. I know that, that you can go to, uh, to sticksworld.com to to get all the tour dates and all that stuff. And then would you suggest they go to your to your website?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, there's there's sticksworld.com for, for the dates. Uh, my website is in a bit of a transition, um, but, yeah, there's a lot of information there and a lot of questions that I, I get asked. They can sort of find and seek the answers there. Uh, and then there's also, I mean, you know, there's Todd Zuckerman Facebook page. There's one that's the personal one that's full, but there is the, you know, the like page and, you know, you can write me there. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. And as long as someone writes me you know, a reasonable question, I'm, I'm always happy to correspond with anybody.
2: Cool.
1: And, and I'm happy to help man. Cause, because that's, I mean, like, that's why I did the, the, my two DVDs, which is, these are the, The things that I've learned in in 40 plus years of doing this, and I wanted to share that information Mm -hmm. uh, with with drummers who, by and large, you know, have always been sort of my favorite people on the planet. Yeah, well, I know
0: that I appreciate it. I know that they appreciate it. And uh, personally, I appreciate you you coming on the podcast, taking time to chat with me. Uh, I'm glad that we finally got got to connect. It was great to chat with you. And Wait, it sounds like it sounds like we're we're wrapping it up. We are. What is what?
1: You, I thought we were. I thought this was a four and a half hour podcast. Yeah, this is just part one. Oh. it's a
0: week long thing.
1: I blocked out all the way to soundcheck for this. Oh uh, no, 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 no!
0: I call you every day for a week. Okay. You go, hey, it's me. <laughs> hey, it's me. What are you doing? Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three hundred and seventy-nine. Um, but uh, seriously, thank you for for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I suggest that everybody go check you guys out on the road. They can go to sticksworld.com to find out the dates. And uh, again, just great to have you, man. Any, any time that you would like to come back, you are, you are more than welcome.
1: Well, tomorrow, of course.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going <laughs> to, I got to fly tomorrow. I got to fight the paparazzi at the airport and all that stuff. So tomorrow may not work, but other than that, I'm good.
1: Uh, well just, just bring two guys with you to, to, to keep the autograph hounds out of your way. You'll, you'll be, you'll be fine. I'll do it. <laughs> what a pleasure, man. Thanks thanks for having me. I really had fun with you. Thank you very
0: much. And everybody knows that they can just go to the show notes uh, and they can find all the stuff that we talk about. Links to you, your your Facebook profile and, and your tour dates and all of that fun stuff. Your book, your sticks, all that. All the goods. All the goods. Todd, again, thank you so <laughs> much, man. I do appreciate it. And uh, safe travels out there.
1: Right on, brother. Same to you. All right. Thanks, Todd.
0: So there you have it, Todd Zuckerman, and that is a hard last name to say, and I guess the way that he explained it is Zuck-like book. So Todd Zuckerman, if you were ever wondering how to pronounce that name. For all the notes that we talk about, the links to everything we talk about in the podcast, you can check out drummersresource.com forward slash session 220. Also, if you want to get that email series about how to get bigger and better gigs, go to drummersresource.com forward slash gigs, G-I-G-S, uh, and that is for anyone, whether you're a, a, in a local band and you just want to get a couple more gigs in your local area or if you're a regional touring band and you're trying to get more gigs and get to the national and international level. It's for every level. It's, uh, you can use this at any level. So check it out, drummersresource.com forward slash gigs. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.